Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be here with you. As Alison said at last, it's been a long time coming, and uh, it's great to be here. As Alison said, uh, I've been suffering for the past few weeks. My husband and I have both had a nasty infection, and it's not COVID, because we've done loads and loads of tests. Uh, but, so it's just some sort of chest infection. But uh, uh, just been praying and trusting today to God to get me here and to, and to get through the day, because uh, through all that's been going on over the past few weeks, I just really believe that God is going to do amazing things today in our lives. And uh, uh, so hopefully my voice will hold, but God's here, whatever happens. So uh, we, we trust him for his power to move amongst us. Um, I don't know how you're feeling at the beginning of this day. I don't know what you've come with today or what circumstances you've left behind at home or what you're going to be going back to later. Uh, but, uh, do I? Oh, no, okay, that's good. Um, but uh, some of you may be here full of expectation about what God will do in your life. Uh, some of you might be just intrigued as to what might go on here or what I might say. Maybe some of you are coming not expecting anything to change in your lives. Some of you might be here feeling fed up or cynical or angry, full of doubt or distracted by things in your lives, maybe fearful or anxious or weighed down with burdens or maybe a whole host of other feelings that you might be carrying today. And uh, I just invite you, you don't, if you want to write down on your program or if you've got a notebook, uh, just to spend a minute or two just thinking about these words and just reflect on what you, you hope to get out of today. So just this beginning of this sentence, this will be a good day for me if. So just spend a couple of minutes just reflecting on what would make this a good day for you. Now, I have no idea what you might have written or what you might be feeling this morning, but what I do know is that God is here and he knows your heart. He knows and understands your feelings, your expectations, all your past experiences and your hopes. And uh, as we've said already, I believe that he wants to meet with you here today, that you're not here by accident. It's a divine appointment that you're here and that God wants to meet with you and, uh, and to work in your life if you'll allow him to do that. So I'm just going to pray as we go into this first session. Father God, thank you for your presence here by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for each person who has come through this door this morning or who might be watching this later on a, on a recording. Lord, we just thank you that no one is here by accident, but that you have ordained for each one of us to be here today. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is already moving in this place. Thank you that you have gone ahead to prepare for us. And we thank you that you know all of our hearts, our, our experiences, our feelings today. And we pray, Lord, that we will come with open hearts, with open ears to hear what you want to say to us. 
not, uh, Lord, we pray that anything that's uh, just not of you will be forgotten and pushed to one side. But Lord, we pray that each one of us would meet with you and that you would change us and transform us into the people that you created us to be. So, Lord, we invite you here into our lives and into this place this morning as we look at your word and as we look at what you want to say to each one of us. In your precious name, amen. Okay, so this first session, uh, as you will know from your programme, is called Recognise. And we're going to look in this first session at why we need transformation in our personal lives and in our families and our communities. Uh, and in this first session, I'll share some of my own story of what God's done in my life uh, to hope that that might be an encouragement and maybe speak to you in your life too. The second session then is about release and thinking about some of the barriers that we put up or that prevent us from allowing God's transforming work in our lives. And then the third session after lunch is about receiving. How can we receive God's transforming power in our lives? How can we allow God to change us? And as he changes us, how can we then go on to be his transforming agents in the world? So this first session is about recognising I don't know about you, but at the beginning of 2020, we've already mentioned that, I was full of excitement about all the possibilities in the year ahead. Uh, I'd been elected to be the Vice President of the Methodist Conference, and I was looking forward to my induction at the Methodist Conference, uh, uh, with a lot of people being there, and to looking forward to a year of travelling up and down the country and, and going overseas to visit projects in other places. Our eldest daughter was expecting her second child in the May of 2020, so we were excited about welcoming a new grandchild to the world and travelling from Devon, where we were then, up to Manchester to see her. And then COVID-19 struck, and uh, the world changed completely, didn't it, in a matter of days. Uh, everything just completely got turned on its head. So all of my trips were cancelled. Uh, my vice presidential induction uh, it did take place, but not with any people. It was in an empty studio at, uh, at Cliff College in, uh, in Derbyshire. Uh, and apart from looking after our granddaughter while my daughter was in hospital, having the baby, uh, we didn't get to visit him for months. And uh, like most people, we didn't see any of our family for, for a really long time. And during that time, we witnessed the best and the worst of human nature, didn't we? While some people greedily hoarded things or broke COVID rules to suit their own desires, others sacrificially worked for the benefit of others. And uh, people began to get to know their neighbours that perhaps they hadn't known before. People began to look for new ways to help other people uh, and to serve people and to appreciate some of the small things in our lives that perhaps we'd taken for granted before. Many people during that time suffered loss and bereavement through the death of loved ones or through the enforced separation from their loved ones. And there seemed to be a pandemic of fear, which was often not helped by a lot of media hype and scaremongering. Parents learned to home educate their children. Families engaged in ways that they'd not done before. Many were forced to work from home 
and many people realised they liked that lifestyle and wanted to continue, and others were entrapped in unhappy or, um, or abusive homes. In the church, uh, many became distanced from fellowship uh, as they didn't have the technical know-how often to engage with online services, and many people missed in-person fellowship and singing. I know I really missed singing during the, during the COVID pandemic. But we found new ways, didn't we, to engage with worship, to offer pastoral care, and to reach out to people in our communities with the love of Jesus. And in many cases, uh, we reached people who perhaps had never been to church before, maybe who watched services online and uh, perhaps wouldn't have gone into a church building beforehand. And I guess it's going to take some time to fully process all that's happened over the past two years in our own lives, in our families, in our communities, and in the world at large. And there'll be some aspects of our life that will have changed forever. We live in an uncertain world with a lot of insecurity and fear. And now perhaps more than ever, we need the hope and the transforming power of Jesus in our lives and our communities. Sometimes it can seem overwhelming as we look around us at the needs of our world, but we know that in Jesus there is always hope. And when the night is darkest, that's when the light of Jesus shines the brightest. Most of us long for transformation in our world, but societal transformation begins with you and I. Individual lives that have been transformed by Jesus can begin to make a difference in transforming families and communities and nations. And collectively, we can make a difference to our world as we allow God to change us and allow him to call us to what he wants us to do and as we're obedient to follow that call on our lives. What we and our world need is not a kind of shallow surface level transformation, and we'll look at that a bit later, but we need a deep change from the inside out. People are looking for something real, something authentic, something that has the power to transform their lives. And even if people don't realise it, what they need to discover is the love and the transforming power of Jesus. And that's what we're here to learn to discover today. So I'm going to tell you a bit about my own story of transformation and how God has called and equipped me in small and in bigger ways. And I pray that God might use my testimony to perhaps encourage you or maybe you'll relate to part of my story uh, and uh, wherever you are on your Christian journey today, whether you're not a Christian or whether you're a new Christian or perhaps you've been a Christian for many years, but I pray that something of my own story will be able to show, show you how God can work in our lives and how he can work in your life too. So I've got a few slides uh, with some images just to, uh, just to help you along. So this is my story of God's transforming power. So that's me when I was five. And, uh, and my family at Land's End when I was about seven. So uh, I was brought up in a non-Christian family. And uh, I, I was always provided for materially. We weren't well off in my family, but uh, I was provided for. Uh, but in my home life, uh, it wasn't a happy place to be. 
I was never praised or encouraged or told that I was loved. And consequently, I always grew up wondering if I was any good at anything, and I assumed that I wasn't. My self-esteem and my confidence were very low. My dad had a violent temper, and he ruled the house by fear. He was very controlling, and I, had a, I grew up with a constant fear hanging over me. And as a result of my miserable home life, I became more and more fearful and desperate to please people, to try to make people like me. I was bullied physically and mentally at school for many years without my parents ever finding out. And my school years were, were a misery. And all through my childhood, despite not having a Christian family, I believed in God. I think it must have come from school, uh, teaching at school at the time, because I don't know where else the knowledge would have come from. Uh, but when I was 10 years old, I joined the Girl Guides at our local Methodist church. And then from that, I started to go to their parade services once a month. And, uh, and then my dad thought it would be a good idea to send my brother and I to Sunday school at the church. And then one day, uh, this was the church in Bedford where I grew up. Uh, one day, uh, a girl in the church who ran the youth group noticed me, noticed that I was always there regularly, and, uh, and invited me to come to the youth group. And uh, it was amazing because it was the first time in my life, really, that I'd really felt a sense of belonging, that somebody wanted me to be at something. And uh, I know, looking back, that uh, I displayed some very um, unpleasant behaviours. I was a very needy and attention-seeking teenager. So if you're somebody who works with children or teenagers and you've got some needy ones amongst them, then just be patient because uh, yeah, God can change their lives. Uh, but uh, I was very immature, very attention-seeking, but the, the youth group uh, sort of kept me on the straight and narrow, as it were. Um, they weren't, it wasn't a very spiritual youth group, really, but, uh, but the power of belonging to that group was immense, the fact that I belonged to a group of people. And my image of God at that time was that God was somebody who wanted to punish me, who was waiting for me to do something wrong so that he could punish me. And I felt sure that there was nothing I could do to please God or to be good enough for God to love me. But nevertheless, I tried really hard to be a good girl and do the right things. Uh, and then when I was 15, um, my dad, uh, this uh, Dick Saunders, some of you who are older will have heard of Dick Saunders, but he used to go around and do like tent meetings in different towns. And he came to Bedford and did a tent me meeting. And uh, my dad, who was searching really for the Lord at the time, uh, decided that we were all going to go to this tent meeting. And of course, when my dad said something, we all did it. So we all went along to this meeting. And I heard a message that I'd not heard before. I heard the message that Jesus loved me, warts and all, that he loved me just as I was, and that there was nothing I could do to make him love me anymore. I heard that Jesus had died for me so that I could be forgiven and have the assurance of knowing that I could go to be with Jesus when I died. And that was an amazing message for me, to hear that I could be forgiven and not punished. And that night I went forward at the end and I said sorry to God for the things that I'd done wrong in my life and asked him, to come into my life and give me a new start. And the lady who prayed with me at the end of that session <coughs> was, 
read this verse from Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it was a definite promise and assurance that by believing and trusting in Jesus that I would be saved. There was nothing that I could do to save myself, but I just had to trust in the mercy and the grace of Jesus. And it was such a blessed relief uh, and a freedom for me to be able to just trust that to Jesus and allow him into my life. So I invited Jesus into my life, but that was just the first step of a very long journey. And uh, just as an aside, my parents both gave their lives to the Lord that night as well, and, and both are Christians and, and gone on with the Lord. And God has done a great work in their lives too. So although I'd become a child of God, I was still a very messed up person. And God had a lot of work to do in me to set me free to be the person that he created me to be. I had very low self-esteem. I was painfully insecure, desperate to be loved and accepted by people. I was a people pleaser, eaten up by fear. And in my efforts to make people like me, I'd behave really outrageously, uh, realise now I made a complete fool of myself. And I would change my mannerisms and my opinions, depending on who I was with, to try to fit in with whoever was there. I, I just wore masks all the time. I had no integrity. I didn't know who I was or what I really believed. And I was chained up and ruled by fear and totally disabled from living a full and happy life. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And very slowly, God began to do a transforming work in my life to make me into the person he intended me to be. And he began to peel away the layers of fear that held me bound and to release me from their power. There's an old song in Songs of Fellowship songbook which says, I will change your name. You shall no longer be called wounded, outcast, lonely or afraid. I will change your name. Your new name shall be confidence, joyfulness, overcoming one, faithfulness, friend of God, one who seeks my face. And those words might be a word for someone here today that God wants to give you a new name and a new identity in your life. But it describes what God was doing in my life at the time and through Bible teaching and developing a quiet time with God each day and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and, and a lot of prayer and Christian counsel along the way, uh, God began to release me from the prison in which I'd been held for so long. Uh, shortly after I became a Christian, I was baptised. Uh, I, I started going to a Pentecostal church after I, was after I became a Christian. That's where my parents were going. Uh, and I was baptised there. I went to the Pentecostal church for about three years before I came back to the Methodist church. Uh, and at my baptism, somebody gave me this verse, Philippians 4.13, which has become my life verse. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And beforehand... I thought I could do nothing. I thought that I was useless and no good. And here was God promising me that with his strength, I could do anything that he called me to do. That he would be the source of my power and strength. 
And Jesus has indeed given me the strength and the power to do some things that I would never have dreamed possible. And even the fact that I'm here today talking to you is testimony to God's grace and empowering in my life. So after that, I'll just, I'm going to whip through and tell you a little bit of, a bit of our life story. This is our wedding. You'll meet Mark. He's down here. <coughs> but we got married in 1983. We were just 19, so we were mere children. Um, but uh, we got married at the uh, Pentecostal church where we, were go, uh, where we were both worshipping at the time. And uh, Mark had been converted at the same tent meeting, the same uh, tent crusade, but without us knowing each other at that point. Uh, and we began to go out and seek to be obedient to God's call on our life. And we got married and uh, we felt that God was calling us uh, into full-time ministry and for Mark particularly to go into, into the Methodist ministry. And, uh, and at the time I said, well, that's fine, God, I'll do anything you want, but I'll never leave Bedford. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it took 10 years of battling with God uh, before I came to the point where I was ready to be obedient to God's call on our life uh, and to, to go for, for Mark to train for the ministry. And it seems a really long time now, but it was not wasted because during that time, uh, God was doing lots of work in my life and, uh, and, and chipping off some of the rough edges, as it were. Uh, lots of things that have helped me to grow during that time. Uh, and as I said, we felt that God was calling us to work in the Methodist Church, and we, we felt called back to the Methodist Church from the Pentecostal Church. Uh, and in 1995, we went to Wesley College in Bristol for Mark to do his training, which uh, uh, is not, not there anymore. Uh, but uh, through a long process of ups and downs, we ended up there in 1995. And, and I found that a really hard time. It was a real bereavement for me to leave everything behind and sell our house and uh, give up at my job and all our friends and, and work in the church. Uh, and, uh, and it was a real time of sort of stripping down, as it were. Uh, but in the second year that we were there, God led me into working with the Muller Foundation, which is a charity that work with children in deprived areas. Uh, and uh, I began to sort of feel that God had got perhaps a call on my life as well. Uh, and then we went to the Isle of Wight, uh, Mark was stationed to the Isle of Wight, so we went there for, for five years. Uh, and uh, while I was there, I had the opportunity to do a part-time degree, which I hadn't been, had the chance to do before. And I felt that God was calling me into teaching, which was something I would have I wanted to do. But when I was younger, I felt that I couldn't do it. I felt I wasn't clever enough. Nobody in my family had ever had a degree. Uh, I didn't think that I could possibly do it. But, uh, but God gradually opened the door for that to happen. And so after, after four years of study, eventually I graduated. I was a late developer, uh, and, uh, and I gradually, eventually qualified to be a teacher. Uh, and then from the Isle of Wight, we went on to Lincoln, uh, where we lived for 10 years. And uh, one of the promises that we had to go to Lincoln was from Psalm 107. It says, he shall lead you by a straight way to a city where you can settle. And if you know Lincoln, it's all got Roman roads leading into it. So we felt that was a real verse a promise for us to be there with our daughters. Uh, and then while we were in Lincoln, we felt we'd been done a few short-term missions overseas, and we felt God was calling us uh, to offer to go overseas. So we went to All Nations Christian College in Hertfordshire, which some of you might know, uh, to do cross-cultural training. And uh, we were sent to Guyana, uh, which um, some of you may know is in South America. 
It's in the north of South America. It's the only English-speaking uh, South American country. Uh, Caribbean in its uh, culture, uh, but South American in its geography. Uh, and we went there for a year when Mark was a minister and I was an educational mission partner uh, and worked there for a year, which was another interesting year and a talk for another day. But uh, all through all of this, I had to really lean on God because God was uh, continuing to transform and chip off different areas in my life. And, and through all the difficulties and ups and downs along the way, uh, God was still working in my life. Uh, and then we came back in 2013 and went to Devon, completely different. Uh, and uh, and uh, instead of teaching, I felt that God was calling me to do voluntary work in the church. And so I took on some national and uh, local roles within the Methodist Church uh, and with Methodist Women in Britain. And uh, I worked for a while in London at the uh, Global Relationships Office, at head office. Uh, and, uh, and it was just amazing how each step of God's plan led on to the next step. And then some of you know that I was then um, elected to be the Vice President of the Methodist Conference. And, uh, and so last year, all through lockdown, uh, Richard Teal, who was the President and myself, we, uh, we served the church as President and Vice President during that very strange time. Uh, and then last year, uh, Mark and I moved to Shropshire, where Mark's now the Minister in Market Drayton. Uh, and the Lord opened the door for me to be, I'm the CAP Christians Against Poverty Debt Centre Manager now in Market Drayton, uh, working with some of the sort of broken and uh, uh, you know, people in need in our town, which is amazing how God opened that door. That's another story for another day as well. Uh, but that's just kind of a little overview, really, of where God has led us, just to show you that God has all along, he had a plan for my life, all along, uh, he had this unfolding plan. I used to think that when God showed you a plan, that it would just be like, right, this is the plan. Uh, this is the plan for the rest of your life. This is what you've got to do. But God has really shown me that he sort of unfolds his plan step by step. We don't need to worry about what's going to happen in five years' time. He just gives us enough strength for the next day and leads us to the next step and then the next step. And everything follows on one thing from another. And despite the difficulties I had as a child uh, and the things that I've been through in my life, I know that God has brought that to good, that God has brought good out of that and used my experiences uh, to help others in different ways. So I just want to tell you that if God can transform my life, he can do the same for you. And I just want to close this session really by sharing four Bible verses uh, uh, to build hope in you, really, and to encourage you that God has a good plan for your life, too. So the first verse that I want to share is, uh, is to illustrate, really, that nothing is wasted. And some of you may know this verse, Romans 8, 28. It says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And I don't know you, I don't know what your background is, I don't know what your childhood was like, I don't know whether some of you may have come from broken homes or abusive backgrounds, uh, some of you may have come from lovely childhoods and lovely backgrounds, some of you might have had difficulties as you've grown up, some of you might have been told uh, negative things, 
Hey, you might have been told that you're an accident or you're a nuisance or you're stupid or ugly or useless by parents or teachers or, or partners uh, or siblings, whoever that might be. Uh, but whatever you've been through in your life, whatever difficulties you have faced in your life, whatever you've suffered, God can work for good in all those things. He can bring good out of those pieces if we offer them to him. And a bit later on, we'll look at how we can do that and how we can bring those pieces to him. The second thing that I just want you to take from this session is that God has a plan for you. And this is one of my favourite Bible verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And as I say, just as God's plan for my life has kept unfolding step by step, God has a unique plan for your life. And I really encourage you to seek his will for your life, to seek and find out what it is he wants you to do with the rest of your days. And it's really exciting being in God's plan. It's not always uh, the easiest life, but it's never dull when you're following Jesus. It's always an adventure. Uh, and we need to seek him above all things. And we'll look at that a little bit more later as well, about putting Jesus on the throne of our lives. There is nothing more important in this world than your relationship with God. And only by putting Jesus first in your life will you find the freedom and the peace and the security and complete faithfulness and all the other things that the world thinks it can offer but can't. Jesus can give you all of those things and he can show you his good plan for your life. The third thing is, and the thing I've learned really, is that God can take away your fears. And that verse I've already read, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. And I don't know if you're afraid. I don't know if you're afraid of something this morning, or whether you're living in freedom, or maybe you're bound up with fears of all kinds. But Jesus came to set us free from our fears, we're going to look at this a bit more in the, in the second session. He came to break the chains that hold us captive in our lives. Some people are afraid of letting Jesus have complete control of their life because they're worried about what he might ask them to change or give up. Uh, but he only asks us to give up the things that are bad for us and he wants the absolute best for our lives. And we'll look a bit more at fear in the next session. And then the fourth verse is that God loves you uh, just as you are, warts and all. And there's that wonderful verse in Romans 5, 7 that says, God demonstrates his great love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God made each one of us different. You are unique. There's nobody else like you in the whole world. And sometimes we can be very self-critical. Uh, we can wish that we were like somebody else or we look different. Uh, or we think if we were different, maybe people would like us more or God could use us more. But whatever you're like, whatever you've been through, whatever your strengths, whatever your weaknesses, uh, God loves you and thinks you're marvellous. And uh, when God made you, he threw away the mould and he has just a unique plan that is just for you, for your life. 
and all of your experiences, your abilities, everything you've been through is, uh, makes you a unique person to fulfill a unique calling that God has on your life. And this verse reminds us that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, his son, to die for us so that when we believe and trust in him, we can have forgiveness for the past and we can have healing from the past and we can have a hope for the future. And God really does love you just as you are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way and he wants to transform us and make us into the people that he created us to be. And he sees the potential in you. Uh, even, if, uh, even if you don't see the potential in yourself, you know when an archaeologist digs up a piece of old coin or an old treasure and it's all covered in dirt and uh, to most people it would just look like a piece of rubbish. But then an archaeologist cleans it up, don't they, and gradually takes away all the layers of dirt that are built up for many years until they find and uncover that treasure that's been buried. And that's what God wants to do with each of us. Even if your life has been difficult or you've been through different things or you've suffered different things, God wants to be like that archaeologist, just cleaning away uh, the dirt and the layers uh, so that the treasure that's within can be revealed. And the first step in that might be to coming to an understanding of his love for you uh, and your standing in him. And we're going to look a bit more at that in the second session as well, about how we can know uh, how valued we are to God and how we can have a right uh, view of ourselves as God sees us. So uh, I'm going to pray in just a moment, but uh, I don't know, uh, some of you may feel that God has been speaking to you already this morning. There might be somebody here who doesn't know Jesus as your personal friend and saviour. Uh, and, uh, and maybe even now you want to ask Jesus to come into your life and, uh, and I'll pray in just a moment. Uh, but you may come thinking, yeah, I really need to be set free or I really need to know God's uh, healing or God's uh, freedom in my life today. And that's what today's about. It's about coming before God and allowing him to transform you. And there'll be lots of opportunity through the rest of this day for you to come before God and allow him to work in your life. So I'm going to, uh, we just have a, a moment of silence and I'm just going to pray and, uh, and then talk, talk a bit about what we're going to look at in the next session. So let's just, let's just be quiet before God for just a moment. <coughs> Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence here amongst us. Thank you, Jesus, that you long to bring transformation to each one of our lives. I thank you, Lord, that whatever we've been through, whatever path our life has taken up to this day, that nothing is wasted and that you can use all things 
for good if we give it to you. I thank you, Lord, that you have a good, pleasing and perfect plan for each one of our lives. However many days of our lives we have left, we thank you that we can use them for you and for your glory. I thank you, Jesus, that you have come to take away our fear. And where there is fear in anyone's heart today, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to do your healing work, that you would begin to break the chains of fear and set the captives free. I thank you, Lord, that even while we were sinners, you were prepared to come and die for us. I thank you, Lord, that you love us just as we are. Thank you, Lord, that you see the potential in us. You see the treasure that might have been buried for many years. And I pray for each person in this hall today that we would begin to sense your presence, your love surrounding us, that each person would know that you are there, that you are mighty to save you are mighty to heal. You are mighty to, to deliver and set the captives free. I pray for anyone who perhaps doesn't know you yet, Jesus, and just pray that as we share together that they might even now open their hearts to you and invite you into their lives today. Pray for anyone who's come today needing healing. And as we go through this day, just pray that as your presence moves amongst us and touches us, that, Lord, your healing work would just flow all through this day, not just at the end of the day, but all through the day, that we would begin to know your healing touch, your healing presence in our lives, in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits. Wherever we might need that release and that touch from you. Thank you, Lord, that just one touch from the King changes everything. And I pray, Lord, that you would change hearts and lives through today. Lord, we commit this session to you and the sessions to come. And Lord, we pray that you would give us soft hearts and open ears to hear what you want to say to us, and that you would give us courage to be obedient in all that you call us to do, in your precious name, and for your glory. Amen. I know that I've finished a little bit early, so I'm giving Alison a bit of a headache, but just uh, after the coffee break, in the next session, we're going to look at the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well from John chapter 4. Uh, and we're going to think in the next session about some of the barriers that the woman at the well put up to Jesus to stop him from getting close to her. Uh, but think about some of the barriers that maybe we put up in our lives to prevent God coming close to us. Uh, and then how we can move forward from that and allow God to transform us so that we can then go on to be transforming people in this world. So uh, I'm going to hand back to Alison and uh, we'll be back to see you after coffee. Thank you, Caitlin. 
the word that has kept resonating with me as I sat there listening, I didn't know what she was going to say, was hope. And I have a sense that for some of us, that hope has been really, really small. Or actually maybe we have felt hopeless. And two things may have been happening as we sat here. First of all, there may have been a wellspring, a real gush of hope arising that God can do something incredible with what, um, as Carol has said, nothing is wasted. That the bits that we bring him today, that he can do more than we can possibly imagine or think. Nothing, nothing is impossible for God. And that all those bits that have been broken or lost or forgotten or set aside as being, that was them. That was something that um, I just did, but um, I have a sense of God saying, I'm going to bring things to mind that you thought was just something that you did. But actually, it's a key thing that you had to do to take you for where I need you to be. As Carolyn was saying, there were certain things that the Lord led her into, and gradually doors opened, gradually new vistas opened, gradually there were new paths as she went step by step by step. So that for some of us here, our hope is actually there is something new ahead, and God can take all that is in my past, even if I wasn't aware he was working even through it, and he can build something new. There's a real sense in the church at large, not just in this country, but across the world today, that coming out of this time of wilderness and shaking and loss and um, this unknown time we've been in, that we are stepping into the unknown. But God was not absent. God was working through all that has been happening over the last two years and all that has been happening in our lives. And he's doing a new thing. I know that's a scripture that's um, from Isaiah 43 that many of us have heard over the years, but there's a real sense when you listen to those voices who have a prophetic gift that this is a new season we're stepping through. God is doing a new thing, a new thing with a broken church, with a broken world, and with broken lives. Hope. Because we have the God of eternal hope. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. And the second thought I had when I sat there, and I, was, I felt this sadness rising in me. And it may be that today, God is stirring something in you that you thought you'd buried. Something in you that you either thought was lost, a lost promise, a lost hope, or something that is actually really quite painful, and you wanted to keep it buried. But as Karen has been talking, it's time to come up. Can I ask you to be really brave today? Because when God brings up by his Holy Spirit things that have been in our lives that have really hurt us, things that have wounded us, things that we feel we just can't get over, he's not trying to make us hurt again. He's bringing them up because that's what he wants to heal and transform. So can I ask you, if you're feeling that rising um, sense of something 
that might be a bit painful to face, you are with family here. We're all here together and Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is here by his Holy Spirit. And if you offer it to him and say, Lord, this is coming up in me and I really don't want to go there again, but I will go there with you today because it may be that today, this is the last time it will come up painfully because our healer, our Prince of Peace, will touch it. Now, we've got plenty of opportunities today for, um, obviously, we can see we're creating moments of silence. One of the words we heard this morning as we were praying is, be still and know that I am God. Jesus is the healer. He is the one who will touch your life today. It may be through worship, or it may be through Carolyn's teaching, it may be through scripture, it may be through conversations that you share. In the breaks, it may be when you come up for anointing and prayer ministry. The Lord knows your needs and he knows what he wants to touch. So can I ask you to be brave? And if something does come up, hold it <coughs> with Jesus and offer him those broken bits. Now if anything comes up um, that you really feel is very distressing, can I just ask Ms. Clark to stand up and wave at who's, who's heading up the Premier Lifeline team? Um, but just if you really feel that something is incredibly distressing and it's difficult to hold, then seek Migs out and um, she will minister to you. Sorry, Migs, that's a promise. <laughs> She'll find somebody else to, to minister as well. So I have a sense that we're all on a journey here today. And our journey starts where each of us has arrived at this place with all that we've carried all the hopes, all the fears, all the good things, all the bad things, all the baggage, all the burdens, and all the joys. And we've all arrived at this place, and Jesus knows exactly what we carried in. But he also knows what he wants us to put down and not carry on today. So as we journey through today, be expectant that hope is in, is in reach and healing is in his presence. So just for a moment, another moment of silence, you may not be comfortable with silence, but we don't want to fill every space with words. We want to let the Holy Spirit have space too. So maybe you've written something down or thought about something, then Carolyn says, you know, what, what would a good day look like? Maybe something's come up through the worship or something's come up as she's spoken or as I've spoken. Let's just spend just another short moment in God's presence and hold out to him what may have come up so far. So come Holy Spirit, now we know you're here, Holy Spirit. Your presence is amongst us, Jesus. Would you minister now? to our hearts and our minds. Hold us in your love in this space. Come, Spirit of Jesus, hold our hearts. <coughs> Lord, help us to be brave, to offer you the things this day that you are touching. So we don't walk out of this place still carrying them. 
so we walk out of this place transformed by your healing love. So Lord, we just spend a moment and we just let you bring to mind those things you have been stirring up within us. Would you settle them within our minds and our hearts and our spirits that these things have come up because it's your delight and desire that today you want to touch them with your transforming power. So come Holy Spirit, just for a moment. Jesus, gather up all the broken parts. Gather up our hopes. Gather us up in your love. Fall with my life. With what I've been aware of and what you have been faithful. And today, you sing of the goodness of God. Carry us into the coffee break and bring us back, Lord. Expectant of your healing touch. <laughs>